You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's it going tonight? Very good. Uh, not so good for the Sharks, of course. Uh, they uh, lost to the Kraken, but uh, good for myself. Uh, I have enjoyed my trip here uh, in Seattle. Uh, thank you very much, uh, readers, for contributing to my uh, tip jar. So I could check out a game in Seattle, San Jose's first game here. And again, uh, I put out a link uh, this morning, but uh, my new tip jar is Venmo. Still trying to figure uh, figure out what to do with that because uh, PayPal, uh, their charges were too high. So trying out a uh, Venmo for now. And uh, Venmo is at Shengpeng. And uh, figure out uh, uh, the, the future of, of the tip jar. So We'll figure it out. As long as the funds are being held safely by Mushu, all finances will be according uh, or uh, held accordingly. So, <laughs> and again, it, it does seem. I that promise the, you guys that uh, that your funds are not going to Mushu's dog food. So I promise no. you that. <laughs> but always, always the best for Mushu. Always the best. Um, of course, it always seems that the Bay Area teams always struggle against Seattle teams, and that's just history. Just biting me in the butt, you know, especially as a 49ers fan watching a an abysmal Seahawks team sweep the 49ers this year. And so far, Seattle cracking a, a abysmal hockey team, you could say, uh, bottom of the standings hockey team uh, so far sweeping the Sharks just really, really rips my heart out, stomps on the ground. So thanks for that. Thanks, Sharks. On the other hand, it was a fun experience at Climate Pledge Arena today. Uh, pretty good pregame show. I think everybody is trying to emulate the Vegas thing. Vegas definitely raised the level of pregame shows and whatnot and presentation. Um, I don't know if it's quite as as exciting as Vegas is, but it's a pretty pretty good show. It's uh, worth worth the experience. And obviously, Climate Pledge Arena. It's um, if you guys have been to Seattle, it's right next to the Space Needle, so it's right next to a lot of cool stuff and it's not kind of uh, in the middle of nowhere like where the coyotes play that sort of thing so it's a fun experience so definitely uh check it out check out the game up here all right all right and of course uh, before we get into this episode we always like to note the date it is a uh, beautiful january 20th and beautifully cold at least and uh, eleven thirty is when we're starting this one. So another late night podcast for everyone who's listening on a Friday or over the weekend. Want to make sure that we this. have a podcast uh, every every week here for you guys. Yeah, we have a uh, we had some celebrations this week. That's why we have an extra day coming out. Yeah, happy birthday to Trevor, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for those listening. That's my son. He had his he had his birthday on Wednesday, which was I guess yesterday. But if you're listening to this two days ago. Um, 
the big four. So, <laughs> yep. And hopefully, you guys will like this episode. Uh, we took a little time with this one. We did a a lot of uh, research back in the past for some of this stuff, and so that's another reason why we are uh, recording late on a Thursday night. And you know, usually we release a podcast today. Yeah, exactly. And you know, since we're on the topic of it, let's just get right into it. So, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the roller coaster ride. That has been Timo Meyer's career and his ascendance into a bona fide all-star. Then we'll lay out his possible future and price tag with and for the Sharks. Of course, jumping into it, we like to, uh, you know, we usually start off with like current news involving COVID protocol, but this is the Timo Meyer episode and Timo isn't in COVID protocol. He's in score everything all the time mode as of right now. Uh, but we wanted to start this off. We want to take the. We're going to turn the clock back a little bit. We're not going to go so far as to his rookie season, but we have a, a clip here that we want to play. We pulled some audio from some uh, some past interviews with players, as well as some uh, a more recent interview. And we also have quotes from coaches. And Shang has a quotes from scouts. And like he said, we wanted to put together a very thorough episode to detail Timo Myers just eruption onto the scene for san jose so to celebrate his five goals (laughs) yeah exactly to celebrate the uh the the, we're gonna call it the timo trick at this point because five goals hasn't been done in over 20 plus years in the nhl it's just a, a first time in sharks history of course 31 plus years as a franchise numerous amounts of goals scored and finally we got a guy who's able to just find the back of the net and of course shang who else but your favorite team growing up so <laughs> oh <laughs> it just makes it a little bit more fun for me and especially sharks fans that dagger and then the twist right there in the well hey quick. you know what uh I, I i threw out my my trolley tweets uh with my uh, uh, re- uh reportage of uh jonathan quick's uh, non-timo Myers save percentage throughout the game so <laughs> yes yes we loved those we loved those <laughs> So first, uh, we're going to start off with a quote here from uh, Logan Couture. This is back in the first month of the nineteen, the 2019-2020 season. Uh, basically, he was asked about a, a bad change and a couple of guys staying out just too long. Put it on. Put it on. <laughs> yep, yep, you're right. All right, here it is. Here it is. No, just an inexcusable change. Two guys that stayed out too long looking for offense. Um, yeah, it's a play here. It's a selfish play, and um, that uh, doesn't need to be uh, part of this team. So uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. All right, Shang. So that's a a nice quote there from Logan. Uh, basically, <laughs> well, <laughs> n- nice, nice is uh, you should have. For those, I wish you would have seen. You can always go back to uh, the uh, Fear the Fin article that you actually posted. That you tweeted out the video of it as well. Uh, his face when he was talking about that just. Gorgeous to watch, by the way, because he is not a very happy camper. So yeah, let um, me let's let's think back to that time. So this yeah. is the 2019-20 season. Uh, this is the first season after the Sharks had just made it to the conference finals. They had mm-hmm. just re-signed Eric Carlson to an eight-year extension. They were still thinking that they were a top team in the West, but the underbelly of the Sharks had sort of been ripped out during the offseason. Obviously, Joe Pavelski leaving, but also, too, Jonas Donskoy, Gustav Nyquist. So they lost three 
top nine in the case of Nyquist and Pavelski, top six or top line forwards right there. Uh, Joe Thornton got another year older. And going into this season, the Sharks' hopes to contend, a lot of it was on Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc taking that next step. And in this, uh, in, in that clip with, with Couture, and remember too, this is Couture's first month as a captain. So I think that even Couture is sort of coming to, um, not grips, but he's learning to grasp the responsibility of, of his job, kind of. Like, I don't know if Couture would would lay out uh, uh, his, uh, his, his younger teammates who did make a, a grievous mistake, but uh, I don't know if he would do that, uh, you know, a couple of years after, after this fact. But essentially on this play, what happened was, I believe it was an overtime in Buffalo, and uh, Eichel scored the, the game winner for the Sabres, and part of it was because Meyer and LeBanc, who were on together, just took too, way, too, too long to get, off the, to get off the ice. All right, and you mentioned Shang that if you know Couture a few years later wouldn't be so quick to essentially throw his younger teammates under the bus. Well, like again, that, I, or... I don't want to say that. I, I I don't think Couture did. Well, anything he holds wrong them accountable. Here. We know. Yeah, that. He's, he's holding them accountable, and they did something wrong. And these are guys, like I said, that that the Sharks were counting on to grow up fast. You know, yeah. because of salary cap reasons. And, hey, you know what? They had had great 2018-19s, both of them, right? Timo scored 30 goals as a 22-year-old. Kevin LeBanc scored 56 points. So it wasn't unreasonable for them to kind of look at these guys and say, hey, if we can get a little bit more out of them, then uh, we can make up for losing Joe Pavelski, losing Donskoy, losing Nyquist. I mean, not make up entirely for it, but make up a, a bit for it. Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. And so let's... Fast forward the clock to that beautiful, was it a Monday night? Beautiful <laughs> Monday night in January of the year 2022. Timo Meyer is uh, waking up for a 1 o'clock game, a very rare 1 o'clock start, especially on the West Coast for either team. Just a very rare start. And, you know, he figured, hey, if we're going to do a 1 o'clock start, we might as well make some history. Goes out and just scores a measly five goals for the Sharks en route to a 6-2 to two win against the LA Kings where they were pretty heavily outshot, outchanced in that game. But Timo Meyer just, if, if he shot the puck with a blindfold on, there was a pretty 50% shot. It was going in the net. So <laughs> we go to the post-game interview with Couture. In oh, this is po- actually uh, uh, on Wednesday. This was in post-game. This was oh, a yeah, couple yeah, days later. Me. Yeah. After the game, Wednesday, uh, we're talking about a completely different side of the coin with uh, Logan Couture talking about Timo Meyer's play. And uh, we're going to play that clip for you right now. Honest, he's done all this on his own. I mean, he, he, everyone's gone through tough stretches the last few years as a team individually. And um, it's not easy. But uh, the thing I love, love about Timo is he came in camp this year with a great attitude, ready to work. Um, he's got that fire where, where you can tell he wants to win every game and he wants to puck. And, he wants to, to be the guy that makes the play, and um, you appreciate that when, when your best players um, want the puck, want to be on the ice, and uh, he, he's been huge for us all season. So, Shang, pretty pretty good marks there from the captain <laughs> of your team, you'd say? Yep, yeah, and so what we're going to get into now is we're going to trace Timo's kind of evolution 
how did we get here kind of you know where are we now how do we get here and like you pointed out nick a couple days ago yourself the sharks have are the only team in the league with two 20 goal scorers and that's timo meyer and tomas hurdle and timo meyer is going to the all-star game for his first all-star appearance Mm -hmm. and so when we talk about you know how we got here you know we have to go back a bit you know and and it's really kind of uh you can learn so much i think from from what's going on with with the timo meyer and and his story and so let's uh let's go back a little bit here all right if i had a if i had a rewind clock noise or some sort of record scratch sound i would hit the rewind button and rewind these last couple of years so we're going to start in 2019, late 2019, which is the beginning of that perennial season, that that post Western Conference Finals season, right? November. Th- sorry, go ahead, Shane. Yeah, I was just gonna sorry to interrupt, but this is uh, this is from November 2019. But this is this is um, trying to remember. This is little, a couple weeks after uh, Couture had already skewered Meyer and LeBanc for that change. Yeah, exactly, and it it. Obviously, his words didn't fall on deaf ears. Uh, Peter DeBoer, November 2019, like you had stated, actually demoted Timo Meyer. This is something that people will probably uh, recall that happened recently with Kevin LeBanc. Demoted him down to the fourth line. And we have a, a quote here from Pete, and I quote, Some of those guys played in support roles in the past, benefited from playing behind some key guys, and now they're the key guys. With that comes some pressure to produce. And that kind of reinforces what you had said. The Sharks had expected both Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer to grow into the impact roles and not just be support roles. Right. And obviously, you know, we're two quotes in already it's it's been a month into the season and they're both very dire signs that neither Meyer or LeBanc were ready to step up uh Meyer had been sent down uh to play with Lukash Radio and Barkley Goodrow when he was still a, a fourth liner and this was not a good sign uh and this is part of the reason why uh not to put it all on Meyer and Le, uh, LeBanc's plate obviously but this is a Peter the Boer quote. He was going to get fired in a, in a month. Yeah, he was obviously trying to kickstart the guys and you know kick them into full gear because, like you had said, the expectation for this Sharks team was like, okay, we didn't re-sign Pavelski, we didn't re-sign Gustav Nyquist, we allowed these impact players to walk. It's your turn. We're putting our chips on the table. Right. We're going all in on our guys. Right. And I think the hope was that the team, you know, the team wouldn't be as loaded as, as it was in 2018-19, obviously, but that mm-hmm. they were going to be a, a, a still a competitive quality, you know, playoff caliber team as Sharks fans and the organization had, you know, gotten used to over the, the last 15 years. Yeah. Confident enough to re-sign Eric Carlson, forfeiting that mm-hmm. year's draft pick, which then turned into Tim Stutzel. So, uh, let's fast forward uh, a month and a half to the end of December 2019 or the the low point, essentially, of Timo Meyer's season here against Los Angeles. So he was essentially... He had a new benched. coach. <laughs> yeah, new coach. <laughs> By the way, let's not forget about that. <laughs> uh, he was benched in the third period and overtime. This is 
something he's all, all too familiar with. And this is a, a coach from interim head coach, now current head coach, Bob Bugner. You can't dress 12 forwards and have eight or nine show up. We had a couple guys not sticking with the structure, not playing within the team system, end quote. And if I haven't heard that consistently over the last two plus years, I don't know what more else I could have heard. Like that has been the MO of this team's struggle to buy into that defense first system. He also goes on to to say, we can't keep going on like this, beating a dead horse. You have to send some messages, end quote. We thought that Timo Meyer was going to get scratched the next game. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. talking about the 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 uh the reporter buzz, you know, between uh Curtis Pashelka and Kevin Kurz and uh anyone else or we just sort of thought, oh, you know, Timo's gonna get healthy scratched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh he did not get healthy scratched, but this was teetering on the edge of that. Yeah, I mean it, once you get to that point, I'm pretty sure Lucas Radil was the guy at that point who was consistently on the healthy scratch insert into the fourth line type of thing. And if you have Timo Meyer on par with that level of, of play per, you know, to their expectation, you're not, you're not doing too good for yourself for the sharks. And that kind of showed us that season Uh, just a few days later, end of December, again, the 28th, again, 2019, still that struggling year for the sharks. Logan Couture actually says, and I quote here again, the goal for the San Jose Sharks was to have those guys step into big minutes, but it's been a tough season, end quote. And again, he's referring to guys like Timo, guys like Kevin LeBanc, mm-hmm. the, these guys that were continued to be relied on to produce, and unfortunately for the Sharks weren't. Yep. And so this sort of lost season continued. And so in February 2020, uh, I wrote an article for Fair to Finn titled Behind Timo Meyer's Lost Season. And in the story, uh, I uh, had a quote from an NHL scout. And the scout says of Timo Meyer, he's still a power forward, but it's the B game. Last year, you know, talking about his 30 goal season, last year was the A game. So we're talking about, of course, a game. We're referring to that Western Conference Finals year, that impact year where everyone was scoring. The Sharks couldn't not score, and the only thing that that beat them out to the Stanley Cup Finals there was a surging uh, St. Louis Blues team that that also could not be stopped. So we all know how that season ends, Shang, in utter disappointment. Uh, I think worst Sharks finish in over a decade easily almost two. And so now we're jumping into the off season at that point, right? Right. Right. Uh, but before we, we, we get uh, quite there though, you know, one of the funny things about that season is that I think, uh, I think that Timo maybe got a little bit of a pass that year because it was just one year, but also too, he actually ended up leading the team in points. <laughs> funny, funny, funny enough. Uh, it was not a, a great year for them. So even in, in that sort of bad year, he ended up uh, he ended up uh, leading the team in points. He actually won the Sharks Player of the Year. Uh, that's a media voted award. I actually did not vote for him uh, that year. I voted for Vander Kane because uh, Kane was a more consistent player than Meyer that year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think though that 
because Timo still, you know, got over 20 goals. This is the season, of course, that got uh, shortened because of uh, COVID when the Sharks were on the road in Chicago. But, you know, Timo still scored 20 goals in 70 games, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good year for him, even though he, again, led the team in, in points and won a team MVP. Uh, but I think another way to look at it is that it underscored how much talent Timo uh, Timo has. Uh, and to be able to do those things in a year that, again, you know, going back to the quote by the scout, you know, it's his B game this year. You know, Timo Meyer won a team MVP with his B game. And it also tells you how bad the Sharks were that year, and they were very bad. Uh, but it also tells you, too, just the amount of talent that we're dealing with when we're talking about Timo Meyer. Yeah, and it's, it's, if you're able to, again, this is all in hindsight, but if you're able to pull apart that sort of information uh, from the scouts where you're like, he's telling you this is his B game, like you had just mentioned, and he's leading the team in almost every statistical category at that point. Like, one, it's reflecting how terrible the Sharks are at that point in their, you know, injury-riddled season. They had Couture, Hurdle, Carlson's groin, everything going on. The sky's the limit with this kid. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of hope still. So, you know, we jump into the off season, right, after the 2019-20 season. Obviously, it was a long off season between when yeah. the Sharks, uh, 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 March 2020, when that season ended. Uh, obviously, COVID, the bubble, which the Sharks weren't a part of, to the beginning of the you know, what was the 2020-21 season that started in January 20, uh, 2021. Yeah. But in the season, the Sharks basically add nobody over the summer. They lose Joe Thornton. Their big free agent signings up front are 41-year-old Patrick Marlowe and Matt Nieto. So basically the Sharks are trying to run it back again and hope that... This is the year for Timo Meyer. This is the year for Kevin LeBanc. This was the debut of Noah Gregor at 3C, if I right. remember correctly. It was, yeah. We all remember how that went. So, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're, we're jumping forward here in time here. Well, not, well, I guess in the story here. We're going chronologically there. February 20th. Happy birthday, Mom. But February 20th, 2021, Timo's got... Two goals in 15 games. So it seems as though he's the, the Sharks are just repeating. Everything is repeating for the Sharks and in the worst possible way. Uh, and I have a quote here from head coach Bob Bugner, because Bob Bugner was given that extension. Head coach Bob Bugner, and I quote here, he says, he could dominate games. He knows that. That's obviously the end of the quote there. Bugner has right. has, and a, has spoken to Timo, and they I, know that, and Timo knows that yeah. he can easily win these games or he can dominate these games using his game specifically. Yeah, and I think the other side of, of this quote is that he could dominate games, but, and the, you know, the parentheses is, but he isn't. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like you said, it's it's we're just sort of repeating the same story uh, from uh, twenty nineteen twenty, and actually, you know, uh, Sharks fans, I think, uh, 
if you, if you think about it, really, the last two years have sort of really had a lot of the same trends. Everything sort of bled together. Uh, obviously, COVID was a big part, a big part of, of the 2019-20 and the 2020-21 season. Uh, Martin Jones, his uh, continual uh, uh, poor uh, substandard play was a part of all that. But the Sharks not helping Consistent. Martin Jones out with, uh, yeah, with, uh, with, with uh, ninety six. <laughs> consistent with that and the sharks team defense obviously not helping jones out at all either uh disappointing performances from timo meyer uh, from kevin lebank um even logan couture being banged up you know logan couture played the second half of this uh 2020-21 season uh, uh hurt uh, Thomas Hurdle missed some time with COVID. You know, COVID uh, took 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 him out a, a bit for a couple weeks there. So, I think uh, if if you make a, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this, this this year's Sharks, but clearly this is a different team this year. And whatever happens with with this year's team, I think you know, I would guess for fans, you know, I ask you, Nick, but you know. The last two years have just been so forgettable, and and so in 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 most ways, uh, sort of like a like a like a like a track that's just sort of bled together. This long, interminable, you know, suffering, you know, musical score that just keeps going on. It's the same music, same crappy music. Young players that can't that can't play, uh, you know, uh, veterans that that or guys that that you hope are are younger players that you hope can be veterans like Myron LeBanc doing the same, same crap. Um, and so anyway, you know, we're, we're kind of repeating a theme here. So Nick, uh, I'll let you jump to uh, March um, a month later. <laughs> yeah. Before we, before we jump into March there, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head because when we're going through this chronologically, this is split up between two seasons, right? Two completely different seasons, but it feels as though this has just been one Big, long, drawn-out, disappointing season for the Sharks. One, you had the that shortened season in the beginning due to COVID. Then you had the long off-season where nothing happens, nothing of, of, of importance, of no real value happens. And then you have another COVID-shortened season, the 56-game season, where, again, nothing happens. It's just disappointment after disappointment. Um, and, and like you said, it's just a, a broken record of a really bad song, and it's the only song that's available. And now we jump forward to the end of March, March of 2021. Timo's stat line is looking just as great as it did the year prior. Six goals through 34 games. And at the, you know, Sharks head coach Bob Bugner, he confirms the diagnosis that day. He says, it's easy as a forward to get a puck, sling it toward the net, and get a shot from the outside. But he's got to actually get inside, use that big body of his, and protect pucks, and be around the net when the rebounds, the second and third chances come. End quote. So he's expecting Timo to use his body, use that power forward style to get inside, and get those high danger chances that we so love those slot shots those inner slot shots so yeah if you as a sharks fan or like the scout that i talked to uh in the 2019-20 season uh were unhappy with timo's 2019-20 well actually 
team was going to have an even worse season here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so six goals through 34 games. Do the math. That's 12 goals in 68 games. Remember that team will score 20-ish in uh, 21, I think, and 70 games the year before. And so Timo is having an even worse season. And think about, uh, you know, speaking about like a music uh, song that keeps going on, you know, imagine that you have a jukebox and the only thing you can play is Dylan Gambrell as your third line center. <laughs> you know, you're you're in trouble as a team. You know, we got, let's, let's, let's be honest here. You know, full respect to Dylan who did it. it his best in a difficult spot there, but so you're in a, you're in a tough place, you know, like, and so actually, you know, we talked about the song being the same with Timo Meyer. Actually, the song got worse. Yeah. <laughs> it started off kind of mediocre. It's, you know, the 2019, 20, the song was like, Oh, that looks like Timo Meyer out there. By the time we get to 2020, looks like an imposter out there at least most games there he still had some good games but uh most games this was not the team Meyer that we saw in 2018-19 yeah the jukebox is playing friday by rebecca black on repeat so someone goes and <laughs> smacks the jukebox and all of a sudden it starts skipping the word friday over and over <laughs> exactly like, no it's the remix friday. <laughs> <laughs> no so we go to may we're jumping from march to may and Timo then, he, he states himself, this is a quote from himself, I know I have to be better. I expect myself to be way better, end quote. And at that point, Myers scored just 10 goals in 53 games. I mean, that's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, yeah. There's no other way to really put that. And, and yeah. you're 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 verging on you're, you're on the edge of the season. Like the season's over at that point. You're not playing June hockey. And this guy, your your first round pick, the guy you picked before Miko Rantanen, just can't seem to find a way to put all the pieces together. He he shows little flashes here and there. Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the line mates. Maybe it's that. Who knows what it is? But it doesn't seem to be clicking for Timo. And so much to the point where even he himself comes out and says that he has to be better. Right. And, you know, uh, the, the setup here. So this is sort of the, the low point, I guess, for, for a Timo Meyer, right? Yeah. And we had to go back kind of to, you know, where we started. So Timo Meyer in 2018-19, he scored... 30 goals as a 22-year-old. You know, looked like a, a star on the up-and-up. Uh, that offseason, 2019 offseason, was maybe the most impressive crop of RFA restricted free agent ring wingers in NHL history. Mitch Marner, Ratton, who you mentioned, Matthew Kachuk, Patrick Laine. They all came up for for extensions uh, during uh, uh, during uh, that uh, uh, that that off season, and I said back then, twenty eighteen nineteen, that I thought that Meyer belonged in that group, Marner, Ratnan, Kachuk, Line, you know, maybe in the lower echelon of that group, maybe you know, he's mm-hmm. he's not, you know, I don't think he's better than necessarily even now maybe better than Rico Rat Ratten, but he belonged to that group though, which, you know, was sort of a out there statement then just because Meyer played maybe because he played for the Sharks and he played behind a lot of great players in twenty eighteen, nineteen. So he didn't get the fanfare. Yeah. 
but Meyer was really, really good in 2018-19. Uh, Actually, I ran into a scout today at the Kraken game, and we got to talking about Timo. And he actually said he thought that Timo Meyer was better in 2018-19 than he has been this season. And I did not agree with that because, uh, and I and I mentioned this to the scout, and the scout actually did kind of take take my point here that in 2018-19, Timo was playing protected minutes. He wasn't counted on to 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 do that, you know, to to carry the load because he had Joe Pavelski in front of him, he had Tomas Hurdle in front of him, he had Logan Couture in front of him. Uh, you know that season stat that I've repeated a lot. The Sharks had nine fifty-point scorers that season. Uh, no, no other team had more than five. Um, and and of that nine, the nine fifty-point scorers, Eric Carlson and Jonas Donskoy weren't in that group. So <laughs> that was a deep, deep, deep team that Timo, you know, didn't have to face uh, the the toughest assignments, the toughest defensive uh, uh, centers necessarily. Um, he was, he was protected and he was protected to have that kind of breakout season in 2018, 19. And with hopes that he could, of course, uh, carry that on into the next, uh, into the next year, which he didn't. And then he didn't carry it on into the next year after that. But one of the points that we can keep stressing and we stressed a little bit earlier is that Timo Meyer even in these kind of lost last two seasons had so much talent. And so that's why after 2018, 19, I thought that he very much belonged in that echelon of elite wingers that became free agents uh, that summer. And through the last uh, couple of years, actually that quote uh, where you just said of Meyer saying, I expect myself to be way better. I believe that was an article I wrote where I said, here's why you don't trade Timo Meyer right now. Hey, we want to take a quick break to thank this week's sponsor, DraftKings. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. And don't worry, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Because everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone, can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. It's simple, folks. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah. And it's funny you mention that because what starts <laughs> swirling around in that offseason? Yep. Timo Meyer trade rumors. Because Lord knows that's what we needed on our plate to push away our one of our best offensive pieces for three quarters on the dollar, like we've talked about so much. And so 
there were some rumblings of a trade during the uh, actually in the middle of the NHL draft in the first round. Just like you know, I believe it was around pick two or three. I was uh, I was covering the NHL draft with uh, Dylan, you know, on the Stick Hungry podcast, and then we start getting all these tweets that there's, uh, you know, you even have Kevin Weeks tweeting about um, rumblings with New Jersey possibility of uh timo meyer being traded in new jersey and so shane you actually have some information on that as well well yeah and i wrote it back then that uh, i never really bought the new jersey stuff and just in general um teams they still like the player timo meyer you know he's still just at the time just 24 and you know had a couple disappointing seasons but again the talent is clear uh Everybody walked away from 2018-19 thinking that this was going to be the next San Jose Sharks star. And so people liked the player. But, of course, uh, people around the league did not like that contract. You know, at that point, uh, Timo Meyer. Oh, and that's another part, of course, that, that we hadn't quite mentioned. That in the offseason, 2019 offseason, after his big year, Timo Meyer signed a four-year, $24 million contract. Um, mm-hmm. Not a huge contract, but still a very good contract that kind of signaled that, hey, you, you're a guy that needs to step up and be one of our best players. I think uh, after Timo signed that contract, he became the, I believe, the third highest paid Shark forward after Couture and Kane, actually making more than Tomas Schurdle because Tomas Schurdle was, I think, at, is still at 5.625. So mm-hmm. that kind of tells you kind of what the expectations now are for, for Timo Meyer. He's not on his entry level or whatever anymore, uh, where you know he's not, you know he he he's he's not the, he's not bringing home the bread. Uh, he's bringing home the bread now, and he's expected to produce. So, Timo put himself in this position where there are rumblings. Even though I I didn't really buy the the reason why I didn't buy the rumors is just because the, the Timo's contract was bad, and also too for the Sharks. Why would they just give him away? You know, there's a talent-poor Sharks team, uh, especially up front. Why would you just give him away? You know, if Calgary's calling and they're saying, hey, we'll give you Matthew Kachuk for Timo Meyer," Okay, you take that, obviously. But nobody was offering that kind of deal for Timo Meyer. Like you said, you know, the, the offers, I, I haven't I hadn't heard any of them, but I would assume that they're all three quarters on a dollar because that's what you would you do as as the opposition. You you look at a team's weaknesses and you try to jump on it because everybody again knew Timo Meyer's talent, but the contract was you know just uh, as appealing as Meyer's talent is, you know, the contract was just as unappealing. And, you know, New Jersey would be a perfect landing spot for Timo in that sense. If you put the, the scope on, you get a guy with a couple years remaining on a not-so-friendly contract, but you look at New Jersey and they've got the cap space to afford it. So you're shooting for the upside there. And if you're the Sharks, <clears throat> you don't give in to the uh, stupidity of giving away one of your highest-ceiling players for, like we said, not even close to true value. So yeah, well, like I said, I I don't necessarily think you. I don't. I don't know. I I I don't. I don't necessarily believe so much that 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 New Jersey was was as into it as people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But I do know that the contract was a poison pill. Gotcha. And you actually um, 
you have a you have a excuse me you have a quote here from a scout correct yep yeah so in the summer i started working on a timo meyer story and a little bit about just what had sort of happened to him uh and what was going on with him um i never finished it uh, in part because then a lot of evander kane started popping up and so i had to write other things mm -hmm. but i thought that this was a fascinating quote uh, from this scout and just FYI, I've, I've used the word scout uh, uh, multiple times here. It's not all the same guy, just if you're curious. This is the third, this is the third different scout that I'm referring to in this, uh, in this podcast. So just so you know that, that you're hearing similar opinions about the, the, about the player, but from three different people. You know, this isn't just uh, one guy uh, and his you know, crusade to crush Timo Meyer's trade value. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... This scout said, uh, and I actually hadn't used this in, in an article before. I, I was maybe going to use it this year, but anyway, we'll just use it here. So this is the first uh, first time I put this out there. But uh, So this is Timo Meyer the last couple of years, uh, this scout's thoughts on Meyer. He's a bit of a polarizing player because he can be a game changer and bring it. But on his character, I've heard some things. I don't think he's driving culture. I don't think he's a bad kid, but I've heard that sometimes he doesn't always dig in. He's not always a good pro. He's still young. Just given what he's paid and what his next contract is looking at, it's tough. That's a... Uh... It's pretty indicative of how the whole Sharks locker room was at that offseason. You know, if you really kind of boil it down to brass tacks, if you try to peel the blinders off, it seemed as though um, there was some issues in that Sharks locker room. It's very evident, especially going into, you know, we're at the point in this, in our little uh, storyline here, our timeline of, of Timo Meyer, the Timo line, you could call it, uh, <laughs> where, like you said, you didn't, you didn't release this quote because all the Evander Kane stuff starts coming out. And then all the news starts coming out that the players don't want him back because of just the toxicity in the locker room. So not providing excuses for Timo here, but it's hard to be a culture driver when there's a complete opposite culture driver in your presence. You know, you're just there right. to score goals, collect your paycheck and go home because what's the point of driving culture if you don't, if you don't have veterans around you that are also doing the same? And so, yeah, there were stories too of, uh, you know, that, that Timo Meyer was, you know, one of the few people that uh, might have, you know, been considered Evander Kane's friend. And some of these things that, you know, this quote, these quotes about Meyer, you know, they don't sound that far different than things we've heard about Kane, just in terms of polarizing, not driving culture. You know, maybe not always a good pro. So I don't want to uh, connect. It's too obvious a connection. And without anything certain, I don't want to connect that. That, hey, Evander Kane is gone. That's why Timo Meyer is Timo Meyer now. I think yeah, that's, no, that's, that's too just... simple a narrative. Yeah. But um, I think that there is some suggestion that there could be a little something there, though, that, that well, that Evander Kane may not necessarily been the best influence on a Timo Meyer, perhaps. Yeah, that's 
essentially what I was alluding to. It didn't seem as though there was uh, many positive influences to continue that culture driving uh, personality trait into the youth, um, or, or so it seems. Again, this is just me being a stupid fan here and speculating on the on the podcast, but I think it's, it's important to kind of note that because I'm sure people listening to that quote, that's one of the very first things that they'll think of, and, and maybe... Maybe that that not so great influence around him allowed him to get away with things or do things that he didn't necessarily want to. And and even Bob came out and said that maybe he allowed players to do things that they weren't or gave people too long of a leash, whether it be on the ice or off the ice. So um, that could be just Evander Kane. That could be to a, a multiple multiple people and multiple situations that we don't know about and we might not ever know about. So. Just my thoughts, just talking out loud on that one. So let's fast forward again, Shang. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get, let's to, get the, to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. Everyone's sitting here. It's like 40-plus minutes. So like, well, I thought we were talking about Timo Meyer's five goals, and it's just been bad. Well, we're finally getting to the good stuff, the the the, the eruption, right? Timo Meyer, the volcano, has arrived. It's the year 2021, the season starting. There's not a lot of expectation for anyone, especially from Sharks fans. We're like, oh boy, here comes that song again. How many that goals we... did you think Timo was going to score this year if you were to put, oh, put I can't money on it? I can't tell you. I was like, Just if take, he's take at a 30, yeah. I'm excited. If he yeah. can get to 30, I'm pumped because then he's trending up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always been supportive of his talent. I think that's clear in my writing of him. But obviously, two years of a guy that did not play as engaged as you would expect um, uh, with that much, that many expectations on him, I, I, I wouldn't have figured that he was going to meet those expectations. Yeah. Um, that, would, that would have been my guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think if he had hit hit 30 and he's obviously is on, on pace for more than that. But if he had hit 30, I think that you'd be overjoyed because at least he's making his money back or he's making, you know, he's, he's providing the, at least the appropriate value for his contract, at least. Um, even if he hits 25 ish, right. Uh, after what he had last season, last season, he was on pace for 16. <laughs> at yeah. least that, even that's an upward trend. Yeah, he breaks the 20 goals or 25 goals, and you're like, all right, we're moving up. We're progressing. Yeah. <laughs> now he's just casually sitting at 21 halfway through the season. So let's do the math. Halfway through the season, 21. Funny enough, how many games that he's missed, though, due to COVID protocol. Um, but 21, we're at game 41 now, finished up here with Seattle. 21 goals. That's 42 goals. That's a great campaign for a guy who's coming off a really bad campaign. So. Right. So here we are. We have another quote here, a lovely quote, of course. Uh, Mid-November of this this current season, so mid-November 2021. Yeah, Timo's uh, off to a quick start, but I think that people aren't quite uh, tuned into it yet because they had sort of forgotten just how talented he is. Yeah, talent. the, the tales of talented Timo. And uh, I believe this is a quote from Bob Bugner, correct? Okay, yeah, yeah. So he says, mid-November, again, of this season, 2021, we had a challenging face-to-face at the end of the year last year, an exit meeting. We sat with Timo a lot last year, trying to talk about the details of his game. I thought he put a lot of pressure on himself last year. Sometimes when we talked, it was more confrontational. This year, he's more accepting of the teaching and the help. 
this is the best hockey I've seen him play. Like, just stunning. Absolutely stunning. Uh, one as a, uh, just as a quote from, from a head coach who's continuously, uh, I don't want to say, obviously he's not throwing him under the bus, but he's just, it shows, you know, like we talked about before, the demotion down to the fourth line, the uh, possible, the benching in that third period and overtime, and to see him rise to the occasion. Now, I don't know how many 23- and 24-year-olds you know that uh, listen all that well as far as, like, confrontational. But this is this is something that I think, especially with Timo and just young adults nowadays, that it takes that time. you got to have that patience. you got to figure out how to talk with you guys, how to get through to your guys, especially as a head coach on a team that's struggling. And it takes two to tango. It's a two-way street, and I think both Bob as a head coach – and Timo Meyer as a player both matured together and really developed a, a significantly better relationship to help each other out mutually. Timo learning more, uh, accepting of the teaching and the help of those around him, and Bob maybe being a little bit more patient, being a little bit better with his guys in that sense. I think a lot of it, too, you know, we talk about the, the last couple of years when Timo was struggling. And Timo not appearing to be a culture driver and things like that, right? Yeah. Bob was trying to hold him accountable. Peter DeBoer was trying to hold him accountable. I think the when we talk about you know where Bob may have lost the script a little bit and maybe not held guys accountable, I think that's probably more veterans, more like Evander Kane. The young yeah. guys we saw with Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer that Bob Bookner has been pretty consistent actually in terms of just talking about them in the media, uh, you know, letting us know uh, and challenging the players through that, you know, that they have to be better uh, benchings and that sort of thing, right? Have been pretty consistent with the young players because even though things are falling apart around them, Bob Bugner is still trying to install sort of a winning mindset and expectations for a Timo Meyer. And so it was a struggle over the last couple of years, obviously, like uh, Bob Bugner uh, mentioned here. But it was all work, though, to try to get this Timo Meyer out. This, uh, you know, this sort of, you know, again, uh, the, no one, uh, I th well, Sharks fans may have doubted Timo Meyer's talent, but the Sharks organization, I don't think, has ever doubted Timo Meyer's talent. And it just was a matter of how do you get it out, uh, and especially in a culture or situation where things weren't the most positive. Uh, it wasn't the most positive atmospheres in the Sharks' locker room over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you're seeing that growth uh, for Timo both uh, on and off the ice here. And now we're moving on forward in the timeline to everyone's favorite part, <laughs> the big five-goal night. And um, unfortunately for me and a lot of people, was uh, I was at work. I was listening to the game, Sharks Radio broadcast by you know Dan Rusinowski, fan of the podcast. By the way, we did have him on for an interview. Feel free to go back. Previous episode a few months ago, we were able to bring Dan on. It's a beautiful interview, obviously. Best sounding guy on the podcast, hands <laughs> down, no doubt there. But it was just like, uh, like I said before, it, it seemed like, no matter what happened, if if he shot the puck, it was going in the back of the net. It didn't ma It did not matter. And um, 
I got a quote here from Tomas Hurdle. I believe this is after that game, correct? It's after the game, yep. After that game. And uh, Hurdle says, before he was always up and down. He was skating. He was on the puck one night. Then otherwise, he was kind of nowhere. This year, he's there for us every night. That's what the best players in the NHL do. And that's a hell of a quote right. from your one of your most veteran leaders, from your line mate, your center, the heartthrob of San Jose, uh, you know, arguably with Mario Ferraro. There's a nice competition there between best-looking shark, of course. But just the maturation of Timo Meyer, the goal scorer in the nhl it is known now. The NHL's been put on blast. It's been put on notice. Like, he's here. He has arrived. Right. And that's exactly actually what I was going to say, that before Timo scored those five goals, he was already having an amazing season. And he had already been picked for the All-Star team. So people were noticing to some degree, but I don't think that people quite realized just how good a season he was having until he scored five goals. Oh, it was everywhere, too. I loved it. Front page for Mercury News, beating out the headline for the 49ers wildcard victory over the fumbling, bumbling Dallas Cowboys. You have a record night for Timo Meyer. It's all over TSN. It's all over ESPN. Everyone knows who Timo Meyer is. I got people at my work saying, hey, some Sharks guy did something pretty good the other night. I'm like, you bet your ass he did. He just scored five goals. Are you kidding me? This guy's crazy. I joked, uh, but it was one of those joking, not joking things that uh, Timo Meyer was the ESPN.com uh, a headline. You know, Meyer scores five goals. And I joked that that was the first non-Evander Kane headline on ESPN.com that I had seen, <laughs> uh, you know, in how long. And wasn't a attack on necessarily even on, on Evander or anything, but it was more just you know, like it or not, that's negative news. That That's uh, whatever was happening with Vander Kane. Every time he hit the headlines, it was something that made the Sharks look bad. Yeah. Like it or not, right? And so the Sharks were in the headlines for a lot of reasons, you know, with a negative light cast upon them throughout the summer, uh, throughout the early part of the fall when we're still dealing with Evander Kane suspension and him going to the AHL. And anytime there was national news about the Sharks, it was usually about Evander Kane and usually something negative. Finally here, though, with Timo Meyer, though, uh, something positive. Yeah, you got Doug and, and Hasso. They're over there just pumping the, uh, the news channels. Come on. Come on. Report this stuff. <laughs> Do it. You see this guy? He's amazing. Look at him. He's beautiful. They got, like, the Timo head. Like the bobbleheads, they got the Tebow Meyer alarm clocks and everything going. <laughs> but we have a uh, we got a quote here from Bugner, and uh, he said in, in regards to Timo, this again after that five goal game, he's naturally gifted, he's bigger, stronger, faster, and shoots harder than most guys in the league. And really quick, before I finish the rest of this quote, I believe Timo was second. In the hardest shot, just behind Mario Ferraro. Was he? Oh, okay, I don't. He was I don't remember second, that. right nice. behind. Okay. I was there. I remember that. Yes. Uh, but in the uh, <laughs> you were there. <laughs> in that uh, that skill showcase, Mario Ferraro uh, 
obviously just a just a strong man obviously much like Timo but uh Timo was was second place if I do recall in that not by much either so he does have one hell of a shot we just might not see it because he doesn't do a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of one timers per se um but Bob goes on to say I don't take a lot of credit for it other than just trying to make him a 200 foot player Timo deserves all the credit He's put a lot of hard work in. He's got he's got to commit to that, and he did. And compare that to what I said 20 minutes ago about what Bob was talking about, Timo. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows he can be better. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. It just beating seems a like dead horse. <laughs> yeah, beating a dead horse. <laughs> they they were trying to break him out of his mold to try to get him to evolve as a player, go through his Pokemon evolution. You know, whatever it may be. Um, but their electric little Pikachu is now a Raichu, and 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 it's it's kind of fit, not fitting, but it's it's hum it's what's the word I'm looking for? Is it humility? It's just being humble for Bob to not take any credit for it, or as he says, a lot of credit for it, and just giving it all to Timo because he knows that if Timo didn't want to do it, he wasn't going to do it. Um, yeah, but he but did. I, I do want to say though that, and I I bring this up a lot. I I give Bob a lot of credit for this. Uh, um, I I think that at least my impression is that Bob's message to Tima has always been consistent. You know, again, we can argue if that message was consistent for all the players, but for Timo, I think it's always been consistent, yeah. and we're seeing the fruits of that right now. And what better than just an all-star campaign and uh, finally a bright spot for the San Jose Sharks and possibly a selling point for Bob to get an extension. So we'll see. <laughs> well, you know, if, if if we get to that point where Bob gets extended, obviously the Sharks will probably have made the playoffs. Uh, Tomas Hurdle, you know, in that case, maybe the Sharks are competitive enough where Tom Marshall says to himself, Hey, I think we can, we can win here and win sooner here than I thought uh, this past summer. A lot of it is going to be because Timo Meyer. Yeah. We thought it was going to be William Eklund. We were just, <laughs> that was just hoping that was a joke. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> yeah. a lot to put on a 19 year old. Yeah. So Shang, that's we're officially caught up in the Timo timeline, the Timo line, the Timo line. Yep. We are, we're at this game in Buffalo. Excuse me. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Buffalo. We're at this game here in, uh, in Seattle. And Meyer notches another goal. Yep. Him and, him and Hurdle are just competing back and forth. They're just, <laughs> you score a goal, then I score a goal. Then you score a goal, then I score a goal. Because no one else apparently is going to score any goals yep. for this Sharks team. Depth scoring completely inept. Um, something I've been harping on since the beginning of the season. Um, but the big question here, and I'll... I'll ask the question and then I'll give my answer. And then obviously I'll let you give yours. Yours will be much more thorough than mine. But what can we learn from Meyer's explosion onto the scene? 25 years old, a really good start, bit of a lull the last few seasons, and now he's coming to his own. What can we learn from this? Both as fans, as the Sharks organization, and, and just people in general. And and my answer to that question was, if you try your best to never trade a three-quarters on the dollar, because if you rewind just a few months ago, just half a year ago, t 
Timo Myers allegedly on the block to New Jersey. Think of where this team would be right now without him. And right, and you weren't getting back, you know, this this, this wasn't going to be a one-for-one one trade. You're not getting back Jack, Jack Hughes, Hughes for Timo no. Meyer, you know. Maybe no. you're lucky you get Jesper brought back. I don't know, but you're not, you're not getting uh, New Jersey's best. Yeah, exactly. So, never trade at three-quarters on the dollar, especially with a player that you've invested not only just the draft capital, but you've invested the time into and you know what his ceiling is in that sense. And second off, just have some damn patience, really. As Sharks fans, we're so spoiled over the last 20 years of just almost instant success, that instant gratitude. It's like we've had Amazon Prime delivery on the development on so many players, and we've gotten spoiled by team-friendly contract deals from iconic Hall of Fame players that have had good supporting cast in that sense that we've never had to be patient enough to allow a player to come into their own. I have preached patience for Ryan Merkley. I have preached patience now for Timo Meyer. It's He was 23-24 during a couple of bad years. And yes, peak NHL, you're looking at 25 to 27, maybe 28. But just have some patience and trust the process so that's that's my learn from this from this timeline that we've kind of well that's the lesson that i've kind of learned from this timeline with timo yeah um i gotta think think back on that i mean that's a that's a good point in terms of uh patience and maybe the sharks fans the sharks fans haven't had to do too much of that for a lot of reasons with younger players maybe because the sharks haven't had a lot of really talented younger players yeah, I mean, uh, for in, the most in, part. In but, truth, they've traded a lot of them away for current, like, given talent. Yeah, or they traded Josh some Norris of the draft and... picks away too, for sure, yeah. Yeah. But um, I think what I, I get from this is that if you believe in a talent, you know, some players – Maybe you're wrong about them, <laughs> so you do have to trade them on three quarters uh, on the dollar. But with Timo Meyer, though, even last year, you know, terrible season really for him. But we saw games where he was terrific. I wrote about one of those games in Los Angeles, I think, in late March or April. He was great in that game. Bob Bunger called that the very best game that he's seen Timo Meyer play all year, and that game, what we're seeing this year, is that game times. 40 right we're at, yeah, we're, we're at game 41 so that that game times 40 we've seen that basically from Timo Meyer most nights this year but anyway if you believe in the talent then you have to trust that talent and there are multiple examples of guys who kind of plateau at an early age and they struggle for a year or two and then they get back on track and Obviously, there was concern that, you know, Timo Meyer scored 30 goals in 2018-19. Like, was that the best we were going to get from Timo? And, you know, was he just going to go backwards for the rest of his career or just kind of stay as kind of a 20-goal-ish guy, second-line guy, you know, guy was always going to kind of tease you with his talent. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a Dustin Penner or something like that for going to pull back some old examples. But a guy that's just going to tease you with his talent from night to night, but just isn't a guy that you can count to bring it. 
basically for a winning team, a supporting player at best, but not your star. And anyway, I, I wrote about this uh, in the article uh, from last year, you know, why the Sharks trade Timo Meyer, And I mentioned players that seemingly have plateaued at an early age and then got back on track. And Nathan McKinnon was an example that I used. And not saying that Meyer is McKinnon, but McKinnon won the Calder Trophy 2013-14, but then kind of struggled for the next uh, three years. Uh, Actually averaged uh, less points per game over the next three years than he did in his Calder season. Um, In that kind of three-year down period for McKinnon, uh, he was averaging 0.66 points per game. And he's doubling that now, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> think about a guy that uh, I'm sure there were, there were a lot of Avalanche fans in that kind of three-year uh, loss period for McKinnon. Or like, we got to trade this guy. Like, we, you know, uh, he was number one pick. You know, we were counting on him to carry the franchise. You know, where has he been in, in, in you know, where, 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 where is he? And, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, they're happy that the, the Avs never got a good enough offer. And, um, the Avs stayed patient. Another great example is Jonathan Huberdo, who's having a fantastic season with Florida. And again, Huberdo uh, uh, won the Calder uh, in the lockout short in 2012-13, but then slumped to 0.41 his next season. And, you know, rebounded since then, but especially the last three seasons, you know, obviously his hit his prime has been better than point per game the last three seasons and now including this one now. So the last four seasons. So overall, the point is that players take extra time sometimes, you know, development isn't always a linear path. You know, you have this um, hiccup and for some players, it's a larger hiccup. You know, the McKinney example I gave you was a pretty long hiccup. Uh, Meyer, obviously, the last two seasons. Even on the Sharks, you look at uh, Tomas Hurdle, right? And Tomas Hurdle came out of the gates as a rookie. Uh, phenomenal. And obviously, the knee injury. So it's this one. This is not so much on Hurdle itself, but obviously, the knee injury with Dustin Brown took him a bit to come back from, right? But Hurdle until 2018-19, actually, right? It took, it took Hurdle a few years to become that point-per-game player that I think all Sharks fans kind of anticipated or hoped that he would be, you know, when he was in the midst of that rookie season before Dustin Brown de- derailed it. And it took Hurdle, what, like three years, right, or so, to get back to to kind of the fulfilling his entire potential. And... So you know, I'm not saying never trade these guys. You know, if someone gives you a one-for-one offer for him, uh, for a Timo Meyer, you know, then sometimes, then yeah, sometimes you got to take it. Or sometimes you may believe in the talent, but there's stuff you know uh, on the inside that the guy's not working hard. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Then, then you got to cut bait. So I'm not saying that you never do, but yeah, but definitely though, like you said, Nick, you know, be patient with guys. If you believe in a guy's talent, be be patient with him. And sometimes you get rewarded. Sometimes you don't. You know, we're looking we're looking at it with Kevin LeBanc, obviously. Um, I've always believed in his talent. I still do. But obviously it's been now, you know, he's hurt now. So it's been three seasons and running for him of uh, not kind of fulfilling that potential that we saw uh, in 2018-19. Yeah, it's going to be tough for uh, 
for Kevin per se to continue to get that. I, I would kind of vary the uh, the difference mainly because of uh, like draft capital that was given up for Kevin LeBanc compared to Timo Meyer. A lot of that goes into for 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 no reason at all other than um, projected ceiling from I believe within organizations like uh, the leash for players are a bit longer for the first couple rounds of the draft as opposed to like a fifth or a sixth round pick. But once they show that potential, uh, you know, they're going to get that leash extended. And especially in Kevin's case, um, him showing that potential alongside, you know, third line winger alongside Joe Thornton and Marcus Sorensen. So the Sharks are kind of without a choice, but to continue to try to allow Kevin LeBanc to get back into that form because they have no one else that's, available in the organization to attempt to to fulfill that role as well so sometimes you're forced to have patience and sometimes you have patience out of out of necessity so you actually had um just kind of moving into timo's big game here you had some historical context for the listeners as well yeah yeah uh this is actually a segment that i was gonna do for nbc uh but they didn't use it and so i think it's kind of uh uh interesting and and worthwhile here i was thinking that there were less than ten thousand people at sap center uh last monday to watch timo meyer score five goals and obviously and you, we've seen you know this has been a trend uh, at SAP center this year the smaller crowds you know used to be a easy 17,000 you know now we're talking if we get to 11 12,000 it's we're lucky and i know that there are a lot of good reasons for this covid lower expectations for the sharks both really good reasons if you're concerned about covid or you just didn't think the Sharks were going to be good this year. Those are both very, very, very defensible uh, positions. But I had to say, though, that this is an all-time great Sharks season that we're watching with Timo Meyer. Um, and, yeah, we're only midway through the season, so who knows? You know, maybe the his inconsistency is going to rear its head again and he's going to kind of, you know, uh, falter down the stretch. Sharks can't afford that, but <laughs> but uh, but uh, if he doesn't, though, you know, for me, th- this is a season that is like Owen Nolan's forty-four goal campaign in nineteen ninety-nine, two thousand, or like Jonathan Chichu's Rocket Richard season in two thousand five, oh six. And of course, Meyer isn't going to score fifty goals uh, like Chichu, fifty-six goals like Chichu. Uh, he's on pace for forty-two. But you know, just if you watch him, just think about just how important he is in every aspect of the Sharks' offense. You know, he's tied for the league and the team lead in goals. He leads the team in assists. Uh, he's always carrying the puck, so he does lead the team in zone entries and zone exits. There isn't anything that he isn't <laughs> doing <laughs> offensively for the Sharks right now. And like you said, uh, there's a reason why he's an all-star rep for the yeah. Sharks going Well, it's just a special, game. special season. And, you know, it, it, I, I would say that it, 
and I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast that this is a much different Sharks team that we're watching. Yeah, they lost to the Kraken. Not a very good team. They shouldn't have lost, of course. Uh, and this isn't a great Sharks team by any stretch. So for them to lose to the Kraken isn't really that surprising. I mean, the Sharks are, you know, low margin for error team. They have basically three guys who can score, four guys, I guess, Bear Bonoff too. So four guys, they have four guys who can score right now. Uh, so it, it's going to be uh it's going to be a struggle like this on a consistent basis because they do not have the secondary scoring and there is honestly not a lot of hope that they're going to get that much more at least at this point this season let's be honest let's look at what's been happening with this lineup right but all that said though you know the team competes hard they're always in games um you know, they're defending much better than last year. It's a team that's really worth watching and Timo Meyer, especially, you know, uh, like I said, I, I've had the privilege of uh, being uh, at, you know, all the home games and a number of the road games watching Timo's uh, season this year up close. And it's been a, just a real pleasure to cover. And it's like I said, it's he keeps it up. This is a really special shark season that, uh, you should watch in person uh, at least a game or two this season. I'll say that. There you go, Shang, rallying the the war cry for more fans at SAP. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, I expect my check in the mail, uh, uh, Jonathan Becker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, we've this entire episode has been Timo Meyer, right? Every week, though, we do here on the podcast, we do our Sport Logic Stat of the Week where we, we try to take a stat either for a team or for a player, and we highlight that. Last week, I believe, we did uh, Brent Burns and just his impact on the game. Um, really quick, before I, I lose this little thought in my mind regarding the Sharks losing to the Seattle team that they very easily could have beat, so watching the uh, watching the game alongside uh, Neil Valapiano who does Devil's State of Mind for us. He actually did the watch-along on our YouTube channel, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube channel. He did it for the Sharks this this evening. And I gave him a little stat from Natural Stat Trick. It was uh, the expected goals for for the Seattle Kraken just after their second goal scored was only .88. So it was a bit rough for the Sharks in that one. But like you said, low margin for error team. But Myers just having one hell of a season. And to accent just how important he is and how much of the nucleus he is to the offense for the Sharks team, we're going to go over some stats. And you guys are going to be hearing some stats here from us that we've talked about before with, with players in the past. And so the first one, or, or I'm just going to list off everything. That yeah, he's, just say, he's yeah, we don't need to get in. into the exact numbers. Yeah, but... we're, we're going to keep it short and sweet because... Yeah. If I list everything off, I'm just going to name every single statistic here on this sheet here. <laughs> exactly. But shot attempts per game, shots on net per game, slot shots per game, he's first in. Inner slot shots, he's only second behind Tomas Hurdle, and it's not by much. And this is all on a per-game basis. Hurdle's at 1.08. Timo's at 1.03. Closest one to those two is Jonathan Dolan at .69. So... That just kind of tells you where they're at, and in the, in, in they're in their league of their own, essentially, on this Sharks team. Uh, he's second behind Hurdle in rush chances per game. He's first in cycle chances per game, four check chances per game, rebound chances per game, and he's the only forward that's worth mentioning, or he's uh, in slot passes we ha- per game, obviously, 
Eric Carlson's number one, Brent Burns is number two, and then Timo Meyer is is number three. Uh, and then Hobblewatts is technically below him, but we're not going to count him on on account of a small sample size. But Timo Meyer is the best forward in that group. So you're talking about a guy here who completely dominates every single statistically offensive category in the game when he's on the ice. And I yeah. think it goes to show, Shane, it kind of reinforces your your uh, your point there, him leading the team in assists, but mainly zone entries and zone exits. Because it seems like the Sharks' zone entries and their puck management aren't the greatest here in the offensive zone. And one of the few guys that can do it with ease is Timo Meyer. And yeah, I know it's a sacrilege for me to earlier to have probably put Timo Meyer's season I was having right now in league with Jonathan Chichu's 56 goals. But, you know, let's keep in mind that Chichu was, well, Chichu had Joe Thornton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so Chichu's job was literally to go, go to the net and put in Jumbo's passes. Meyer does not have that kind of he is he does get to play with Thomas Hurdle a lot, but Thomas Hurdle, as great a player as he is, is obviously no Joe Thornton Hart Trophy uh uh you know qual caliber of a player. You know, let's be honest with ourselves here. You know, uh Timo Meyer is single handedly doing a lot of stuff, you know, carrying a lot of stuff that a Chichu never had to even think about doing. And so I think it's very much up in a discussion. So even if Timo Meyer doesn't end up close to 56 goals. Uh, another uh, one final stat I wanted to mention, it's not a sport logic one, but it's uh, one of my uh, favorite ones with, with Timo. Right now, there are just six players who are averaging over four shots a game this year. Six players. Nathan McKinnon, Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, David Pasternak, Kyle Connor and Timo Meyer. That's some that's some good company to be in there, Timo. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I and, was just gonna say, I believe yes. uh, Darren Stevens also tweeted out another stat: how he was either first or second, uh, either in front of or behind Alex Ovechkin. He was second for... in even strength points. Uh, he, uh, Meyer yeah. has well 30, 39 now, I guess, right? And then yeah. Ovechkin has forty one. Um, yeah. But you know, on the on on the on on the shots per game thing, and I think this is one of the reasons why Timo is has found more success this year. You know, last year Meyer was averaging two point eight seven shots per game. So again, you know, he's at over four now. So two point eight seven last year, and it's not that Timo this year is wasting shots. You know, Bob Boner talked about it's easy to get get in the zone and shoot from far away. Timo does do that sometimes, obviously. Timo is a shot volume guy. But Timo Meyer is also among the league leaders in high danger shot attempts. I think he's top three, top five or something like that. So mm-hmm. he's getting high quality shots, more of them this year too. And again, you know, any offensive category you you can think of for the Sharks, there's a good chance that Timo Meyer is leading it, or he's second. <laughs> yeah, and that just honestly stems from just how much he's grown defensively, and we've talked about. Yep, it before. that's a part and, of it too. Yep, and, and Bob talks about it as well. He's he's turned him into a 200 foot player, even though I think there's only technically 198 feet of ice. 
I think in reality, but uh, that's just how impactful he is. He creates two feet of ice out of thin air. So. He's 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 getting the he's getting the puck himself in defensive zone, or he's in the right position to help out his teammates, and that that becomes counterattack offense. You know that becomes rush offense, which is a obviously a big part of Timo Meyer's game. Yeah, he dodges the jab and hits you with his own. So <laughs> you don't always got to throw haymakers to try to land those punches. Sometimes you got to dodge and hit him with a jab eighteen times. So. Let's uh let's try to wrap this up here. We've been talking Timo here for quite a while here. Um, we're gonna talk about his future. We're gonna go over his qualifying offer and kind of what that. I means know, should we name this chart. episode uh, the the Timo worship episode or? Yeah, we'll we'll shall we name a religion story. after after him? Maybe <laughs> maybe My- Meyerism Meyerism. Uh- yes, yes Meyerism. You score five goals and you're officially inducted or baptized into the religion of Meyerism. <laughs> But moving into Timo's future here, um, his qualifying offer at the end of his uh, at the end of his contract is interesting because it's ten million dollars, Shang. Yep. So that's elite. That's elite money. That that's big time money, especially money, yeah. on a on a cap strapped team like the Sharks. <laughs> and and this was a joke uh, as of you know as recently as this off season because you look at what Timo Meyer had been doing and that he was gonna get a or he or he was gonna be in line for a ten million uh, qualifying offer uh, after uh, what was it twelve goals last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no bueno. <laughs> Sure, bud. Here's your bridge deal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's. I think this this ten million dollar price tag is going to not so much rely on this season, but next season. Because well, both both this season. Well, well yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so. But I mean, he's already halfway through this year, and he's going absolutely bananas, bonkers, right. you know. So you we're assuming he continues this level of of play, this type of this. Mm-hmm this pace, this production, his ability to repeat that production next season is what's going to be very, very key for this possible uh, contract that he's going to be getting here. And this is an RFA, not a UFA. So offer sheets are incoming, but Shane, you have a couple of names here. Some, again, I'll use the word elite very easily here. Some elite players here that are signing for 10 plus million dollars at the end of their RFA. Well, not, not not the end of their RFA while they're still RFA. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, that's my. Fault. And yeah, very few players uh, uh, make that kind of money. You know, ten at least right now. You know, ten million plus is usually reserved for the unrestricted free agents. You know, open market. So the the four players that make that much uh, now, and they signed it while they're still in their uh, restricted free agent years, are you know predictably. Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Jack Eichel. And so Meyer, as good a season as he's having, you know, I it's not maybe not quite and not even not, maybe he's not in the McDavid or Matthews class. He is having a better season than Marner this year. And I think the the jury is a little bit out on Jack Eichel, obviously, because of his uh his uh his surgery and just his health status, right? Mm-hmm. But 10 million is, is you know is, is is a bit rich and it's hard to see the sharks qualifying that um 
But I would say, though, that Timo is having such a good season. And if he repeats it next year, that it does become actually interesting that we can actually have a conversation that maybe maybe Timo Meyer is worth $10 million. And again, this is not a conversation that we would have remotely you know, remotely had, uh, you know, a couple, a, a couple of off seasons uh, ago. And so that's credit to Timo Meyer and how he's kind of changed the conversation. You know, it was an ugly conversation uh, as of uh, this off season, and it's become a good problem to have. Um, but again, now I don't think it's likely the Sharks will qualify that amount. You know, it's more likely that the Sharks and Timo Meyer get to the point where or they come to agreement uh, before uh, before Timo Meyer even becomes a, a restricted free agent or the Sharks have to you know qualify him or not qualify him. And there are a ton of comps for Timo Meyer uh, that are close. And a lot of them signed in the same uh, the same year that, that Timo Meyer was a free agent in 2019. Um, but, you know, some of the comps that, that, that are close and for the Sharks to look at, you know, we have Miko Ratnan, obviously, uh, who signed a uh, $9 million, a uh, $9.25 million uh, per, uh, per year in September 2019. You have Sebastian Ajo, July 2019, and he signed for 8.5 after Montreal forced Carolina's hand. So that might give you some sense. And <laughs> if you actually think about it, though, you know, um, uh, Ratnan's total, uh, Ajo's total, uh, and these were signed when these guys were younger and in 2019, like I said. Uh, so next year, actually, you know, 10 million may not be that that wild. I mean, I don't I, I don't think it's out of the question that the Sharks just qualify him. Um, I don't think I don't think that that's wild to say if he keeps up this pace. I know that sounds crazy. That's you know, I, I can't believe that I'm saying it. I, I would have <laughs> thought myself crazy if I had said this last year, but. I mean, that's what that that's what that's what the the player is is doing, and you know, obviously, again, you know, the the example I gave with Ranton, uh, this was this that's going to be three years ago, you know, when when uh, when when Myers' uh, qualifying offer comes. Actually, nine, I'm nine and three. It's going to be four, yeah, because yeah, twenty, yeah, so twenty, yeah, so it's twenty one, it's twenty twenty one, twenty two now. Uh, Myers' uh, qualifying offer will come up at the end of the twenty twenty three season. So Ranton signed his his uh, nine point two five per contract in twenty nineteen. So again, yeah, I if if Timo keeps this up, actually, maybe the Sharks just qualify him. I, I don't know. I'll give a, I'll give the Nick Bold prediction right here, and we'll wrap it up with this. Timo Meyer puts up back-to-back 40 goal campaigns. The Sharks will give him $10 million without a problem. And it'll yeah, be yeah. somewhere in the realm of a six to eight year contract. And that will be one of the, one of the few and only uh, good long-term deals that may be handed out. If he can put back-to-back. Well, I, again, any, giving anybody a long-term deal is always scary and, Keep in mind yeah. that Timo, when he signs, is going to be older than, say, Connor McDavid when he signed his, or talking about the most recent kind of big uh, RFA contract, or you know Jack Hughes, right? Jack Hughes is twenty-one, um, so I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm going to 
say it's it's going to be good or anything like that. But I would say that, you know, we started this conversation talking about there's only four players who make 10 mil, uh, the McDavid Matthews class. Mm-hmm. Right. But when we talk about the under guys who are just below that. Right. Uh, and, you know, we mentioned Ratnan and Aho. Right. Just below that. And. By the time we get to 2023, hopefully, you know, salary cap is a bit up, you know, revenue is up, uh, people are getting to go back to games again. So more sellouts, people, you know, teams making more money. Um, basically, you know, inflation. Uh, 10 million doesn't doesn't really sound that wild right now. If, again, Timo keeps this up, you know, basically, like you said, back to back 40 or 35-ish goal seasons and point per game, carrying the offense like he has been. Um, it again doesn't sound doesn't sound that wild. I mean, look at okay, uh, a Kirill Kaprizov, right? Just signed uh, what five years, forty-five million, so nine million. That's not that far from ten. <laughs> nope. No, and I agree. Salary cap increase could uh, easily bump that nine to ten, no problem. So. Yep. Only time will tell. Only team will time, right? I beat you two at this time. time. (laughs) God damn it, he got me. (laughs) But that's going to do it for the Timo extravaganza episode, the the Timo Meyerism. Uh, You've all been baptized if you listen to the entirety of this podcast. Uh, you're in Myerisms now, so you do have yes. to uh, make sure you pay. <laughs> you're automatically, yeah, you're automatically in Myerism if you got through 90 minutes of all Timo all the time talk. Oh yeah. We're just gonna you're you're, you're an acolyte. You're an official acolyte. <laughs> <laughs> the Timo Meyer Now podcast is what this is. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this up, of course. Um, make sure you guys go give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. And you can follow myself at NickFloor underscore Shang. You can find me at Shang underscore Peng and all my work at San Jose Hockey Now or NBC Sharks. All right, folks, until next time and until another five-goal game for another player, (laughs) make sure you all stay safe and stay hydrated.